today. John chapter 14. All right. <clears throat> we're taking some time and we're dealing with one question. What is God like? What is God like? You say, brother, I've been a Christian all my life. Don't you think I know that? You might be surprised. Let me give you two testimonies to show you why we're doing this. <clears throat> got a letter this past week, a note this past week. I have gotten so many of these and so many people have told me this right here. Listen to what it says. Thank you so much for spending the time to make biblical truth simple. My religious background is fundamental Baptist. Through your preaching, I'm able to realize that my understanding of God and how he looks at me has been wrong. Thank you for harping on these truths over and over. That's what it's taken to get my heart and daily life right. How many people have told me that? Right, let me tell you another one. This past week, a lady, dear lady, love her dearly. She came to me and she said, I got to tell you something. She said, I grew up and my daddy did awful things to me as a little girl and as a child. That's how I was raised. And she said, I thought because of that, that surely God couldn't love me and he turned his back on me and God hated me. Now you think about that. A little girl's daddy's supposed to take care of her, protect her, love her, give her a good start in life. That's what daddies are for. And you'd be surprised how often these daddies do criminal things to their children. And then an unholy devil get in her head and tell her, God hates you because of what's happened to you. I'm going to tell you that is pure evil. That's why we take the word of God because the truth sets people free. And what, what we've got to do is we got to, I, I don't care if you can quote it with your head. I got to get it in your heart because you live out of your heart. And we got to get this. I want you to see God smile on you in your heart. I want you to know that man smiles on me. That guy likes me. Amen. That's why we talked about what we did last week. And today we're going to shift a little bit. We're going to talk about pictures, pictures of God. We're going to read John chapter 14 again. Uh, John chapter 14, verse eight, Philip, who was one of his followers said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. All right. Philip's one of his followers. They've been together for two years. Now y'all got, y'all got to remember something here all through scripture. Y'all have something they didn't have. You got a Bible, you know, the end of the story. These guys that were walking with Jesus, they didn't have a clue what was going on. They didn't know who he was. It's a few chapters later where he told them who he was, but you know what they knew? This guy can make dead people stand up again. This guy can put his hands on people they can see again. He's got to know God. Matter of fact, John chapter three, listen to what he said, sir. We know that no one can do what, what you can do unless God walks with him. So they knew there's something special about this guy. And, and they were just magnetized to him. And finally, one day, one of them got the nerve to ask him and said, you tell us what God's like and we'll be happy. What's God really like? You seem to know him. Why don't you tell us what he's really like? Watch what Jesus answered him in verse nine. In verse nine, Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you haven't known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So you don't need to say, show us the father. So he's, they get up the nerve. They say, I think you know God. Seeing how you can do all this stuff. What's he really like? And listen to what he said to him. He'd been standing beside you for two years and you didn't know it. Whoa. Now, dear ones, how could you be standing beside God for two years and not know it? How can you sit in church for 40 years and not know him? How can you be a preacher and not know him? A great preacher from years ago, he said this, most important thing in your life is when you say the word God, what do you think? 
Nothing will change more in your life or determine more about your life than when you think the word God. What do you think about? All right, so he's written a book to teach me and you about him. All right, where's the first place we learn about God according to the Bible? It's not the Bible. Does anybody know? Creation. Romans chapter one says he first revealed himself through creation. You want to know about God? Go watch the sunrise. You want to know about God? Go park on the Blue Ridge Parkway and look out over the Blue Ridge Mountains. You want to know about God? Go watch the coastal plains. Get up early and watch the bluebird fly. Look at a baby smile. You want to learn about God? That's where you learn about God from. He's good. Or just look up at the stars at night. The heavens declare the beauty of God. But we also learn he wrote this book about himself. It's a bestseller. He wrote it. And you know what he wrote this book for? To show you what he's like. You know, it's to show you what he's like in this book. And uh, this is, this is uh, when they asked Jesus, show us the Father. All right, you got to understand. Here's what we're going to talk about today. God speaks to you in pictures. Do you understand that? He speaks to people in pictures. Let's turn and look at that. Matthew chapter 13. And if you're going to know what he's like, you've got to see him in the pictures. Matthew chapter 13, all through the Bible. And the Bible is a book. The Bible is a book where the creator of your universe reveals himself to you, but he does it by painting pictures for you. Are you with me? All right. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a art expert. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm an art expert. Officially. I can look at art and tell you about the person who wrote it. Cause out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You believe that? As Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the art speaks. And I can look at what people paint and I can tell you what's in their hearts. I can tell where there's demons in their hearts. Now there's a lot of famous painters that were really goofy. There's this dude named Picasso. Are y'all familiar with Picasso's artwork? I know y'all hang around the Grand Ole Opry, but I looked at Picasso's artwork and I looked at it and I said, by the way, this junk sells for millions of dollars a piece. I'll paint you something prettier for a hundred thousand. Can I get a witness? I looked at Picasso's artwork. I'm sitting there and I thought, there's something wrong in that man's soul. I mean, listen, even I know your eye is supposed to be in a straight line across your head. God didn't put one eye up here and one down here. I know better than that. I look at artwork, famous artwork. There's a twisted soul behind that artwork expressing itself. I said this one time in church years ago and an art collector came up to me afterwards and he was offended that I made fun of Picasso. He said, Pastor Picasso was a cubist. He was a cubist. I said, yeah, my best friend in high school, they came from Cuba. They came over on the boat lift. He said, not a Cuban, a cubist. But listen to me. People paint pictures and they speak through them. Then was God speaks to you through pictures. Read this with me in Matthew 13. Excuse me, Matthew 12. Matthew, no, Matthew 13. Just either one of them. <laughs> All right, Matthew 13, verse 35. 34, Matthew 13, 34. These things Jesus spoke to the multitude in what? Parables. You know what a parable is? It's the Greek word parable. Para, parallel, two things laid side by side. A parable is a picture laid side beside a story. So you look at the picture to get the story. That's a parable. Or it's, or it's a, it'd be called a picture. Let's read it. Verse 34. These things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Where do you learn the secret things of the universe from? Parables. 
the pictures that God paints to show you things. All right. So we're going to look at this. Let me, uh, let's look at one today. And uh, remember, parables are where God reveals himself. So you've got to look at the parable and then you've got to pray and you've got to say, what are you trying to say to me through this? Speak to me through this story right here. Let's look at one. Turn to John chapter 10. We're going to look at the big one today. And it's in two places. John chapter 10. All right. Now, I hope this don't offend you. But dear ones, Jesus is not like us. If we want to explain something to somebody, we just explain to them this is how it works. Not Jesus, not the Father. He says, all right, I'm going to paint you a picture. And you've got to get it through the picture. And here's one of the pictures he paints, John chapter 10. Let's put it in verse um, 11. He says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A hireling or a hired hand he who is not the shepherd, he doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he runs, flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. A hired hand runs because he's hired. He doesn't really care about the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I'm known by them. And as the father knows me, even as I know the father, I will lay down my life for my sheep. Other sheep I have, they're not of this fold. I'm going to bring them. They'll hear my voice. There'll be one flock, one shepherd. All right. We talking about little furry animals with four legs here. We talking about a literal shepherd here. We talking about a literal wolf, you know, like grandmother, what big ears you have. What are we talking about? Who's the shepherd? All right, let's, that's the picture. Tell me what you see in the picture. Who's the shepherd? This is a picture of God. God's the shepherd. Who are the sheep? Me and you. Take a wild guess on who the wolf is. The wolf is the power of hell. And what does the wolf do? You can go back and read, what does the wolf do? He catches the flock and he divides them. Any division in this nation you know of right now? Who's behind the division? Any divisions in marriage right now? Who's behind that? He said, listen, people that are paid to take care of you, when it gets tough, they'll run. I will die for you. I don't run, I'll die for my people. So this is a picture that he paints. What's the purpose of this picture? So I can get to know what he's like. So obviously I can say, take care of me. I just look at the big one. This is perhaps the biggest picture of him in the Bible, Psalm 23. Now we use this in funerals, usually too late by then. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, that's why I got my stick up here today. This is a shepherd's staff. And we're going to talk about how his staff brings you comfort. And by the way, this one right here is a little small. Um, this stays in my office just to remind me what I'm supposed to be doing. But the shepherd's staff is actually larger than this. It's actually six, seven foot tall. And the crook here is much bigger. And uh, still used today, I had a daughter was living in Amman, Jordan. And Amman's a modern city of five million people. She'd send me a picture and it like traffic would be stopped on the highway. So a shepherd could lead his sheep across the highway and he'd have one of these staffs in his hand. And uh, this is a shepherd's picture. And Psalm 23, remember, I will speak to them in pictures so they can understand me. I'll show you what I'm like. Dear ones, we're going to go through the 23rd Psalm. You might be able to rattle it off, but I want to open it to you by the Spirit of God. And I want you to see things you've never seen, hidden from the foundation of the world. Things you've never seen before. And uh, this is the great, all right, you got to remember something. Think this way, put this in your mind right here. Who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible. Now men penned it, but listen to what first Peter says. The Bible is not of private origin. No human wrote it. 
Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So if God wrote this book, let me tell you what Psalm 23 is. This is God writing something to you to show you what he's like. This is what he wants you to see right here. All right, you're familiar with this. Let's read it together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my savior. The Lord's my savior. See, we think in terms of him as a savior. But that says the Lord is my What's the difference between a savior and a shepherd? They're two different things. Right, if he's your savior and you've trusted him and the cross for salvation, when you die one day, you're going to go be with him forever in heaven. And the scripture says, if you will put your faith in what he did at the cross, you will be with him forever in heaven. If you do not put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross, you will die and spend eternity in a Christless hell. That offends people. I didn't write it. Listen, quit being offended by it and get saved. Get on the boat, Doc. is fixing to leave the ramp here. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life. But dear ones, a savior is not a shepherd. There's a big difference. You make one decision in your life for him to be your savior. You get up every morning and make a decision for him to be your shepherd. There's a difference between a shepherd and a savior. A savior will, let me put it this way. If he's your savior, you will go to heaven when you die. That's big right there. If he's your shepherd, heaven will come into your life every day right now. How many believers do I know? He is their savior, but he's not their shepherd yet. Let's upgrade to savior and shepherd status. All right. Now, okay, say, okay, brother Brown, I want want God to, to shepherd my life. Now, you know what a shepherd is. He runs everything. I want God to shepherd my life. What's the first thing he tells me if I will go a little bit further Instead of him just being my savior, I'll really let him be my shepherd and run my life. What's the first thing he tells me? Let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. How many of you can say that right now? How many of you can honestly say, I got it. I got it. If you were to ask me, tell me what else I could give you in life. You'd say nothing. I got it. All right, I'm fixing to blow some preaching out of the water. I've actually heard preachers say this many times, and I'm going to challenge it from scripture. I've heard preachers say this. Now God promised to meet all your needs, but he never promised to meet your wants. I've heard that. That is the general spirit of preaching. Can I ask you a question? What does it mean then? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Question. Anybody here in this room have any desires? We all do. What's the difference between me and my horses? If I keep eating, there ain't going to be much difference between them. What's the difference between me and my horses? My horses can get up in the morning, walk out of the stalls, eat all day, go back in the stall, poop in the stall, 10 by 10 stall. They could do it in the 20 acres of pasture where you don't have to shovel it, but no, got to go right back in the stall and do it. But what's the difference between a horse and a human? Animals just exist. People are different because they're made in the image of God. There's something right here called a heart. And we're looking for something with this heart. Everybody's looking for something. Guess who created your heart? All right. I want to answer the, this thing that says, well, Brother Brian, he'll, he'll meet your needs, but he won't give you everything you want. Can I challenge that? Turn a few pages to the right. Psalm 37. I want you to look in Psalm 37. Let's challenge this thought that, well, just a few more weary days, at least we get to go to heaven when we die. Man, that kind of attitude, you need to go on. 37, Psalm 37, 4 says this. I want you to read these words carefully. And I want you to meditate on these words. Delight yourself in the Lord 
He will give you the desires of your heart. That's supposed to be a visual effect and it ain't doing right. My hip generation says right here, says you need to use visuals. That's the reason I don't use them. They don't work right. So I'll just leave it down there. Delight yourself in the Lord. What will he give you? What's everybody looking for? He will give you the desires of your heart. I want you to listen to these words. Delight yourself in the Lord. I knew we were supposed to obey him. I knew we were supposed to fear him. I knew we were supposed to cooperate or we'd be in trouble. But delight yourself? Really enjoy God and find what your heart's looking for? He created my heart. All right, anybody here have any desires? Okay, we all do. Let me move that stick out of the way before I get killed. All right. I have desires in my heart. Let's get down to right here where we live now. One of my desires uh, is to be married. I mean, I am married. 41 years tomorrow. One of my desires is to be married. But listen to me. I didn't just want an old lady. I didn't want somebody to share a mortgage with. I wanted a real friend. I wanted to know what this thing was. I wanted somebody I could love deeply. I wanted somebody I could enjoy and care for. I wanted a great marriage. Where am I going to find that at? Well, Brother Brian, find the right woman and get counseling. Wait a minute. I thought the Lord was my shepherd and he'd give me what I'm looking for. You want a great marriage that really is a true friendship? It's going to come from God. All right, I wanted to have children. I, I didn't, I didn't, I'd never had any. That's why I wanted to have them. <laughs> I didn't know what the deal was. That's why I wanted to have them. But I wanted to have children. And I didn't, I didn't buy this American garbage about, oh, they're terrible. And when they become teenagers, they become idiots. I never bought that junk. I believe children are a gift from the Lord, as the scripture says. And I believe you're supposed to enjoy them. And I believe you're supposed to have a great family. And I wanted a great, one of my desires in life, more than business, was to have a great family. Guess where great families come from? When he becomes my shepherd, he will give you the desires of your heart. All right, I wanted to succeed in whatever I did. Now, some of you are in business. My business is ministry. I'm a craftsman too. I like to make things. And I, everything I did, I wanted to do it really well. Guess where that comes from? All right, let me tell you something else. I'm giving you all my desires here. One of my desires, I want real friends. I want a few good friends in life. You can't be friends with a thousand people. You say, Brother Man, I got 10,000 friends. No, you don't. Call them at two o'clock in the morning and see how many friends you got. <laughs> if you have three friends, you've been blessed. Right. I wanted three really good friends that I really, my heart just hooked on to and we could love each other and care for each other. I really wanted good friends. Guess where that comes from? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want there either. Right. I want to, I'm an outdoors. Now, some of, you got, some of you got different things you want to do. Listen to what the Bible says about people's hearts. He fashions their hearts individually. You know what that means? He might give you a desire that he didn't give me. He fashions their hearts individually. I've never wanted to be a mother. (laughs) There's some people that love opera. I know one that don't. (laughs) Why you would sit and watch a bunch of folks in there like ballet? Why would you want a bunch of old men to jump around in their leotards and go, I have no... I don't do a thing. That's hell to me. You say, well, if you're offended, it's good for you then. See, it might not appeal to you at all to go out snake hunting in the swamps. Take me, Jesus. That might not do a thing for you. I love that kind of stuff. I'm an outdoorsman. I want to be outdoors where he created that thing. I'm fishing a few weeks ago and I got this guy and 
We're up in this little thing where you could barely get up in there. Nobody ever goes in there. And the wild ponies were up there. And I said, you a Jesus man? He said, yeah. I said, look at all that. Tell me somebody ain't behind this beauty out here. Listen, all the things, tell me what a shepherd, listen, your savior will not give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you eternal life. Your shepherd will give you the desires of your heart. When you put him fully in charge and say, you're my shepherd, I will give you the desires of your heart. And uh, this thing about following God, people say, well, it's the right thing to do. Come on, man. You're missing it. Turn a couple pages to the right. Psalm chapter 40. Now, don't you forget Psalm 37, 4. I pray this prayer all the time. Pray this prayer right here. There was learn to pray his word back to him. Don't pray out of your emotions. Pray what he's already told you to pray. I pray this prayer to him all the time. Father, I praise you. I delight myself in you. Thank you that you're going to give me the desires of my heart. You just think about that, friend. Think about that. What if he really gave you what you really wanted? What did he say he'd do right there? All right, a lot of people don't want to serve the Lord. I'll serve the Lord because I have to. Have to? Read Psalm chapter 40, verse 8 with me. I delight to do your will. And your law, law means your plan, is the desire of my heart. Demons, if you're serving God and you ain't having a blast, you're not serving God. I don't know who you're serving, but it's not him. Let me say it again. I delight to do your will. A while back, a fellow asked me, he said, you, you was preaching one day and said you kiss your wife every day. I said, I plead guilty. He said, I admire you for that. I said, you admire me for kissing the world's most beautiful woman? That's not to be admired. That's to be imitated, Doc. Can I get a witness? I don't wake up every morning and say, crap, I got to kiss her today. I don't do that stuff. I don't have to listen to, here's what I'm saying. I don't have to discipline myself to kiss my wife. I like it. I have to discipline myself to stop kissing her and go to work. Can I get a witness? He said, but what has kissing your wife got to do with serving God? Well, we, I got to. I don't have to kiss her. I want to. I like it. Well, you can kiss when you're old. And when we got dentures, we'll just gum it. Can I get a witness? We'll do something. Kids don't know nothing. Listen to me. Why don't you listen to this? The Lord is my shepherd. I get everything I want. He has given me the desires of my heart. And what he asked me to do, I delight to do your will. I want you to listen to Hebrews 8.10. I will write my laws on their heart and put them in their mind. You know what that means? I will cause it in their hearts so that the thing they love more than any thing else is to do what I want them to do. So Brother Brown, I've been working in church for years. It sucks. You're not doing his will. You're just working in church. I stayed in the nursery. Well, I'm proud of you, but there was a... here's the revelation. God is the source of all joy. He gives you every desire of your heart. And it's in every part of life, everything we look for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And and uh, all right, let, let me let me show you one. Let me show you something. Turn me to Jeremiah chapter two. I want you to see something here. See if this is who you know. Here's another one of those great pictures. Turn to the right, you'll see Isaiah. Jeremiah is the second big prophet. See if this is the God you know. I had a fellow say to me one time, the God you talk about is not the God I know. I said, well, let's go to the Bible and find out which one's right. You know, the Bible settles things. 
I don't want you to look with me in Jeremiah chapter two. This, is, this picture sort of stopped me one day. And again, how does he speak to us? Pictures, parables. All right, here's a picture. I want you to watch what he said. Uh, Jeremiah chapter two, I think it's verse 13. Yep, verse 13. He said, my people have committed two evils. Can I give it to you in another language? My people have done two dumb things. I watch what he said. They have forsaken me. Watch these words. The fountain of living waters. Get that picture in your mind. We're in the mountains. Here's a beautiful waterfall coming down the rocks. What'd God say? That's me right there. I am the fountain of living waters. So I never thought of him as a fountain of living waters. Remember, I will speak to them in pictures so they can get to know me. Anybody here have been thirsty? Tell me what water does. We're not talking about literal water here. Only God can satisfy your heart deeply. What water does for your tongue when you're thirsty, God does for your heart when you're needy. My people have done two foolish things. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've dug for themselves cisterns. Cisterns, a hole in the ground that holds water. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Can I paint a picture for you here? Here's this guy, and he's got a beautiful, he lives in the mountains, got a beautiful waterfall coming down the rocks, and he could drink out of that, but he'd rather go drink out of a mud puddle in the driveway. Let me make an announcement. To go drink out of a mud puddle in the driveway when you can drink out of a pure waterfall, that ain't smart. So why do Americans keep doing it? Accomplishment, cheap, loveless sex, recognition, winning American Idol, getting my names in light, money, 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 or even religion is a muddle puddle in the driveway. How many, come on guys, how many people do you know that got to the top and then sang like Carly Simon? Is that all there is? Only God can satisfy the human soul deeply. He he is to the human heart what mountain water is. Now, you know, it's pretty dumb to drink out of a mud puddle in the driveway. I was reading the biography of one of our great accomplishers in America. I went to them to what they said. I thought there'd be more to it than this. That's the story of every person who doesn't get to know God personally. And he satisfies the deepest desires of the human heart. This, this is, uh, let me make an announcement again. Let me quote John 10, 10. I've come that they might have a miserable life till they get to heaven. Abundant life. Listen to me. The creator of this universe has one goal for your life. Abundant life. To be better like that. All right, turn back with me to Psalm 23 again. Let's get, get back here. <clears throat> I've got to make a decision. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everybody in this room is looking for something. Let me tell you where you're going to find it. It's going to come from him. Everything's going to come from him. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And you're going to let him give you. He is the source of everything. All right. I make the decision. I say, all right, Brother Brown, I see the difference between just going to church and trying not to cuss now. And really getting to know this God and letting him do something for me. Okay, Brother Brown, I'm going to decide to let this man who's been my savior for years, I'm going to really make him my shepherd. What's the first thing he wants me to do? You ask the wrong question. When he becomes your shepherd, listen to this, this, this strips preacher's gears. When he becomes your shepherd, it's not about what you can do for him. It's about what he does for you. Find me anything in this passage where he says, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to let me run your life. That's all I want you to do. All right, I'm talking with a preacher one day. Preachers are weird. I'm talking with, I think they really just can't get a job anywhere else. That's why they're going to preaching. 
talking to a preacher when he was mad. He was aggravated. And he said, let me tell you what I think. He said, I think, he said, I think some, I'm going to quote his exact words. He said, I think some people just come to God for what they can get from him. I said, say that again. He said, I, and he was mad about it. He said, I think some people just come to God for what they can get from him. I said, then why did you come to him? What you going to build him, a third temple? I mean, what you going to give him? Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you can build for me? Let me make an announcement. He don't need nothing. What you going to give him? A pocket knife? <laughs> what do you give a guy has got everything? If, you, if he becomes your shepherd, what's the first thing I do? First thing you do is let him do something for you. This is the God of the Bible. Let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've settled this thing. What's the first thing? He makes me, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters so he can restore my soul. Those three go together. What's the first thing he wants to do for you? Bring supernatural Holy Spirit strength into your life. He don't want anything from you. He wants to give you something. Then surely you know that Green Pastures is not talking about Kentucky 31 fescue here. The Green Pastures are when he speaks to you. It's his word. The Holy Spirit is the water that he brings you beside. God wants to speak to you by his spirit. Bring his spirit into your life and restore your soul. All right, let me tell you what's happening in this day today. People are tired. People are getting discouraged. People are getting worried. Let me say it this way. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you got a PhD. If you get discouraged, you'll give up. We don't build great families because we're smart. We build great families because there's a passion to do it. We don't keep on because we're smart. We keep on because something inside of us is on fire. Because there's strength on the inside. What does the Bible say? What's the first thing he wants to do for you? He wants to bring supernatural strength into your life. And we're seeing it. I'm, we're watching now the, the people tell me, surveys tell me millennials are getting tired and wearing out and getting discouraged. You ain't even got going good yet, Bubba. You ain't supposed to run out of gas. All right, let, let's, let's look at this. <laughs> the, the divine supernatural spirit. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. You need this in this day. Dear ones, God can be your savior, not be your fuel. Let me, let me put it in language you can understand. God is the fuel we run on. His spirit is the strength we run on. How many Christians I meet today, they're discouraged, they're tired, they're dragging along. They belong to God, but they have no power in their lives. This life today requires a supernatural touch from heaven. Amen. You've got to have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You've got to have the strength of God in your life. It's this, this God who says, suck it up and do the best you can. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, I want to give you strength. Right. And I want you to run in my strength. And I want you to see this picture. There's a couple of them in here. I, Dear ones, we, the day, we're living in difficult days today. You're right. Come on. This nation's going crazy. Right. All right, here's the good news. It's going to get crazier. You're right. Because I've read the back of the book. Yeah. You, you don't need for everybody to straighten up so you can get along. You need the touch of God on your life to live right where you're at. Yes. You're, the world's not going to be like, the world is darkness. You are the light of the world. I don't want you to read this with me in Isaiah chapter 40. Let's put it in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And you know what the answer is? Probably not. The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. Did you not know God's not discouraged? Did you not know that God's not nervous about what's going on in the earth? Did you not know he's not ready to throw in the towel and give up? 
He is absolute endless energy. Watch this with me. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Now, come on, guys. Surely you know we're not talking about the ability to pick up weights here. We're not talking about physical strength. We're talking about heart strength here. We're talking about hope. We're talking about encouragement. What's the one thing you can't really live without? I don't care. Listen, you can take everything away from me and put a bunch of knuckleheads around me, strip it all down. If I have the hope of God, I'll start over and do well. People have got to, hope is the fuel we run on. Encouragement is the fuel we run on. And the Bible said this, he gives power to the weak. Read this with me. Let's read it right here. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. Those who have no might, he increases strength. All right, can I ask you a question? Where's the you doing something for him in there? Looks to me like he's doing something for you. How do we come to him? Weak, powerless. Lord Jesus, I can't take it anymore. That's what I'm here for. Zap. Maybe zap's not the word. Maybe filled is the word. Look with me, verse 30. See if you agree with this. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. We're seeing that today. Even a younger generation is getting discouraged and giving up. This is the generation we're going to live in right now where things are going to get so tough. This is what the Bible said. I'm going to quote to you from Luke 21. The days we're going into, men's hearts will be failing them for the fear of things coming on the earth. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Break with the ooh. Who is your God? Where is your strength? Who is your source of supernatural strength? He's not scared. He wants to give his very strength to you. I I love this picture. Watch this picture right here. Those who wait upon the, those who what? Get saved? No, those who wait upon the Lord. Dear ones, we as believers have got to learn to wait on God for his strength. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength Here's another picture. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. There's another picture. That doesn't mean you're going to have feathers. It's a picture. He speaks in pictures, right? Katie and I, we got two eagle's nests we've been watching. One for about four years, one for about a year now. And we go watch these eagle's nests. And and we love to go out there and watch the eagles. And you know, a a papa, he's out there soaring. He's over the water looking for food. Mama, she's sitting there building a nest. See, mama's a Baptist. She wants to build the nest bigger. And Papa, he's charismatic. He's just out there soaring in the wind, having a big time. And we love to watch the eagle, little eaglets. They pop their heads over the edge out there. I don't know if you knew this about eagles. Remember, the first place God speaks to you is through nature. There's only one bird that enjoys a storm. Every other bird, when the storm comes, they hide. Tell me what the eagle does. He loves a storm because he uses the storm to fly higher. God's speaking to you through that. People who learn how to touch God and learn how to wait on Him and let Him do something for them, what happens to them? They mount up with wings like an eagle. Now you, now you say, what do you mean supernatural? You one of them weird people? I sure am. Read it. Yeah. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like an eagle. What does it say next? They shall run and... Now you tell me that's not supernatural. There's no way you can run and never get tired apart from the strength of God. And I've got a brother-in-law and he's, he's a runner. He runs, he doesn't run marathons. He runs those 50 mile races, 50 miles. And he's tired after running 50 miles. I drive 50 miles and get tired. I ain't about to run that far. <laughs> but even those great runners like him, them ultra marathoners, they wear out after 50 miles, 50 miles. Find something better to do with your life. What does the Bible say right here? If you learn how to touch God and draw this strength, you will run your life and never get weary. 
You don't need to live discouraged. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, there's a strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall what? Walk and not faint. There is a supernatural strength that comes from God. When he becomes your shepherd, I want you to learn how to wait on him and draw this strength. All right, dear this is not deep. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Let me show you the picture. This is not deep at all. In Ephesians 5, I was talking to a fellow afterwards here. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if y'all knew this. I hold the world's record. It's in Guinness. I hold the world's record for running out of gas. I just, it's one of my hobbies. I love to run out of gas. You meet a lot of neat people that way. Doesn't make your wife very happy, but you meet a lot of neat people that I've run out of gas 40 times. I just, I love to do it because I'm one of them. I think I can go six more miles. See, grandpa fills up at half full. Why would you waste the time filling up at half full? Do like me and run out and sit there for two hours. That's, that's smarter. Uh, but let me, let me make an announcement. Vehicles run on gas. I don't care if you buy one of them quarter million dollar Ferraris with a 600 horsepower engine, you run out of gas, you can be sitting on the side of the road. Am I over your head here? What do you do when you're running low on gas? What do you do? You know it with your car. How come you don't know it with your heart? This is not hard. When you're running low on gas, you should recognize I'm running out of gas. I'm going to pull in and fill up. My wife's told me that 10,000 times. We went to a restaurant one night and we see this fella and he, work, he works at the Harley Davidson place and she said to him, I wish y'all would put a gas gauge on the motorcycle so he'd quit running out. Oh, friend that he is, he said, ma'am, if you'll tell him to look right in the middle of the handlebars, there's not only a levered gauge, there's a yellow light that comes on when you're low. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you told her that. I needed that. That's wonderful. There was when you're running low and listen, when you run out, when you run out of gas, Sell the stupid thing. <laughs> this thing don't work. No, no, no. What are you doing to run out of gas? <laughs> this ain't hard. Do y'all have AAA? Yeah. They, they dumped me years ago. <laughs> All right, dear ones. If the Lord is my shepherd, what's he supposed to give me? Strength. All right, if I were to ask you this question, my friend Charles Stanley, you know Charles? He turns 90 years old next week. Charles is going to be 90 years old, still preaching. That man done found something, hadn't he? When I turn 90, I'm going to be sitting down preaching too. Turns 90 years old next week, Charles said this. The number one question I've been asking all my ministry, what do you think it is? How do you find the will of God for your life? He said, the number one question I've been asked through all these years, how do you find the will of God for your life? Listen to me. When most people ask that, they're, they're thinking about vocation. Your vocation is, is not the big deal. He'll bless any vocation. <laughs> If you want to find the will of God for your life, look it up in the Bible. Yep. All right, we're going to look at it here. If, if you were to wonder, let's just read it. Verse uh, Ephesians chapter five. Maybe you've never seen this before. Verse 17. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen to that. Don't, don't spend your life in foolishness. Find the will of God. That's what the Bible just tells you to do right there. Find out what the will of God is. So, Brother Brown, how do I find it? Read the next verse. Don't be unwise. Find the will of God for your life. Here it is. Do not be drunk with wine. All right, now I know what part of his will for my life is. Don't be a drunk. Can I get a witness? It's not God. God didn't create you to be a drunk laying under a bridge. Or under a park, or sleep on a park bench. All right, now you say, why, should I, why can't I be a drunk, Brother Brown? What does it say? 
Be not drunk with wine, it's dissipation. Now, if you're Baptist, it's nasty. <laughs> the word dissipation means you're wasting your life. I created you for better than that. God created you for better than laying under a park bench. It's not God's will that you be a drunk. What does he say? Don't be drunk with wine, that's dissipation. Here's the will of God for your life. What does it say? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, I don't believe in that stuff. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't believe in God? Don't what the Bible say. Don't, don't miss it. Understand the will of God. He wants to fill you with his spirit. I said, oh, I'm out of here, man. I'm out of here. My Aunt Susie, she got in that stuff. She was crazy as a loon. No, listen to me. Your Aunt Susie was crazy before she got into it. I don't know what she got, but she didn't get you. Listen to me. If you want to see somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit, don't look at Aunt so-and-so. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus was the ultimate man filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did, pe did people run from Jesus because he was crazy? People ran to Jesus because there was something about that man. You know why? Listen to what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's empowered me to do this. Then was everything good comes from the Spirit of God. Now you tell me what God wants to do for you. He wants to fill you with his Spirit. He wants to put his touch on your life. And he wants to fill you with this. And just as surely... As when I look down and I'm running low on gas, I'm running low on gas, I better go get me some. Dear ones, when I'm low, running low on hope, encouragement, strength, peace, joy, love for people, I don't just say, crap, it don't work. I say, I need to go to God right. and get this stuff that I'm needing. True. Those who wait upon the Lord will find this stuff. Can you see what the will of God is for your life? that you get with him and let him touch you and fill you up. And, and uh, let me tell you what I've learned. Don't wait till you run out. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. You think people can tell when you run out of gas? Yeah, you're sitting on the side of the road and, and the dumb... And, <sighs> you're sitting on the side of the road and somebody pulls and says, you out of gas? <laughs> nope. I just thought I'd sit here and watch people go by. <laughs> what do you mean am I out of gas? Why am I sitting here? People can tell when you're out of gas. John chapter two, Jesus' mother said to Jesus, they've run out of wine. You think people can tell when you run out of the Holy Ghost? Oh yeah, true. We were created to let Jesus fill us over and over with his presence and, and to strengthen us. Don't, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with his spirit. I want to say this to you. There's more than going to heaven when you die. There's a supernatural touch from God for every person. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not that super spiritual. It's not for super spiritual people. It's for needy people like me and you. And I want you to learn to wait on him. That's the promise of God. The first thing he wants to do with you is put his spirit inside of you so you can live a supernatural life. People need to look at you and go, I don't know what they got, but I like it. I don't know what they got, but I'm, they're not that smart, but they sure are something. All right, turn back and move to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing he does is restore my soul. Now, uh, let me quote this to you. How often does your soul need restoring? So, Brother Brian, I think we need revival twice a year. You got something I ain't got. All right, I preached at this church a while back, and it came out, and there was one of these ladies, and she's one of these freaky charismatics. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with them. They're just freaky. And, you know, they, they, they walk about eight inches off the ground, and they're just glowing the dark and all this stuff. She said, ooh, well, that bothers me right there. And somebody says that. She said, You've been filled with the Holy Spirit, haven't you? And I said, yes. 
I love, my job is to poke holes in religious balloons. And she said, I was filled in 1965. When were you filled? I said, good gosh, lady, you've made something last 50 years. I can't make last 24 hours. I said this morning. There ones. I need the every hour. Every day of my life, nobody sees my face till I see his face. You see, you must be weak. Thank you. Plead guilty and get life. There was, I've got to go to God and get strength. I just couldn't make it without him. And you need to do that too. So I don't have time for that. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Mama said, you know what dumb is? My mama, I call her my, my wife. You know what she said? You know what dumb is? Have six credit cards in your pocket and run out of gas. That's dumb. <laughs> then let me tell you supernatural spirit. All right. Let me do a little bit more and then we're going to stop till next week for this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, still waters. That man touches my soul and restores it. All right. Watch this with me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We use that word righteousness. Take the usness off just means right. He leads me in the right path. All right. Let me quit by saying this. How many of you would agree with God in, in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that looks right to a man, but the end result is destruction. How many of you would agree that I thought this was going to work, but it's not working out. In other words, you went down the wrong road. All right, how many of you know how you can tell a man from a woman? I'm not talking about biologically. Here's how you can tell a man from a woman. A woman has got enough sense to pull over and ask for directions. A man will run out of gas driving around trying to find it on his own. Yes or no? He said, he drives, I drive by the sun. You know, like my forebears did. We drive by the sun. Sun's over that way. It's got to be that way. And you just drive around. How many of you ever made a wrong turn and found out this ain't where I want to be? Driving. How many of you ever done it in life? I thought this would make me happy. I thought this would work out. Listen to me. We need to hear those words. There is a way that looks right to a man, but in the end, it's destruction. That's where my nation's living right now. We're living there financially, relationally. We're in a mess right now. You know why? Because we didn't want the shepherd to take us down the right path. Listen to me. He leads me. There was, you got to let him lead you. This man is not going to take you to the wrong place. He's not going to screw your life up. The wolf will do that. But the hard, what's the hardest thing you'll ever do? It's not giving up cussing. It's not giving up crack. It, it's not giving up pornography. What's the hardest thing you'll ever do? What's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life? Say, I'm not driving anymore. You are. It, everybody will give up the bad stuff. Dear ones, he's not your shepherd till you give up the good stuff. And like these, I saw these, there's a dumb bumper sticker said, the Lord is my co-pilot. God is my co-pilot. He don't do co-piloting. He ain't riding with you driving. He's smarter than that. Now, let let me tell you what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. I pulled over. I got out. I put him behind the steering wheel. I got in the trunk and locked it. Then the Lord is my shepherd. And he's going to, in everything, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I treat people, I let him call all the shots. Then he's my shepherd. What am I going, what's going to happen to me if I let him be my shepherd? 
He will lead me in the right paths. That man will take me where I want to go. He will make my marriage what I was looking for to start with. He'll bring the people into my life I wanted in there to start with. He'll bring me the help I was looking for. He'll bring me the joy I was looking for. What is it about us that we'll give up anything in the world except the steering wheel? God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make me his. Then listen to me. Trust the man. Surrender. And and you say, how do you do it? It's it's not hard, dear ones. It's not hard. Just say, you drive. The Lord is my shepherd. All right, let me tell you something. If he'll lead you in these paths, guess where you'll end up? All right, let me give you just one. This is just an illustration and I'm done. And uh, I've told this one before, but I'm old. I can tell stuff over. Can I get a witness? And this is just a simple example. I was young at one time. Normally it's amen. I just got a woo. I was young at one time, believe it or not. Back you know, me and the dinosaur. I rode the dinosaur to school every day. There was, I'm a young man. I'm 20-some years old. I've decided to follow Jesus. I didn't know what I was doing. I, just, I was just brand new. I decided to follow Jesus. I'm in college. And I decided I need a wife. I mean, a man needs a woman. Okay, those that didn't say amen, we got a problem. Man. We got to work with you. Right, I needed a wife, and uh, there's a bunch of girls went to college here, and I'm friends with a bunch of girls. And, and, but, you know, picking out a wife's a big deal. Really? Can I make an announcement? You don't make two big decisions in your life. What you going to do with Jesus and who you going to marry, the rest of it, small potatoes, Doc. Them two decisions shape your life. Right, I'm deciding to get a woman. Need a woman. I mean a wife. And... Uh, so I'm thinking about this thing and I just become a Christian and they were teaching me, you got to pray about everything. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm going to pray about that or not. Because you know, if you pray about it and ask him and he says, her, well, you got to take her then. What you going to say? No, I ain't taking her. Well, now this is to show you how religion screws people up. I'd met so many preacher's wives. And I was going to be a preacher. I'd met so many preacher's wife. It scared me spellless. I didn't want some woman that wore them cat-eye glasses like this and hair up in a bouffant and wore black dresses and played the organ in the house. I didn't want that. I wanted a real woman. I wanted one that dressed normal. Can I go ahead and say it? Well, I'm going to. I wanted a woman that could kiss. A lot. And enjoy it. I wanted a woman that listened to country music. What kind of pagan are you? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I just wanted to pick my own woman out. Is that asking too much? I wanted to be good looking. I wanted to like to kiss. And I wanted her to smile a lot too. Well, I'd never met a preacher's wife did that. And surely all their children were adopted. I knew better than that. And I'm just thinking... I'm serious. Now, it sounds silly. And I was in a dilemma and I thought, and then I, I said, I'll just do this. I'm not going to ask him. I'll just pick my own. I'll get what I want. And then he'll forgive me. Because wow. you can get forgiveness quicker than you can permission. You know that. So I just picked my own woman out. And uh, now this sounds silly, but I'm trying to, I really want to learn this stuff. And I'm struggling through. See, this is the religious crap that I've been taught. Right. If you let him drive the boat, it won't take you where you want to go. And, and so I did. Let me show you how good he is. I picked my own woman out. I saw her sitting in the cafeteria one day and I said, ooh, mama. 
child, I'm, I'm serious. I know, I know y'all just said, well, she would make a nice wife. I know that's you. I fell in love with that woman and we started kidding. And the whole time back in my mind, you ought to ask him if this is the one. Mm-mm. <laughs> He's liable to say no. And then I'm going to lose the best thing. You're the best thing ever happened to me. I ain't going to ask him about it. I'm going to keep going here. And anytime I'd come, I'd just start singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. I don't think about this. So we got married. And let me tell you what he showed me later. You didn't pick her out. I did. I I overrode what you was doing right then. I picked her out. And let me ask you something, son. Is she not exactly what you're looking for? And I said, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to tell you. And remember the old phrase, rolling in the hay. Well, you young people ain't never heard of that because y'all, y'all got nice houses and all. Years ago, you wanted to kiss your sweetheart. You got in the barn. That's what they call rolling in the hay. <laughs> Any old people ever rolling in the hay here? <laughs> See, that's why my grandma had 13 young. <laughs> all right. Of course, me and mama rolled in the hay. We'd burn the barn down. That's so what we did. The old man. <laughs> And I'm telling, listen, I'm just telling you, I got the greatest one. She is the delight of my soul. I adore her. We've had the best time 41 years tomorrow. And you know what? He was behind it the whole time. And I just said, you done good. You done good. I didn't know him that well. I thought his job was to make everybody miserable and make you behave. I didn't know he was that good. And now that I've gotten to know him, he's done me every way in life in that area. Then was listen to me. He can be your savior, but you still be your shepherd. And he's not mad at you. And you might do all right, but you're not going to do what he'd do for you. If the man's going to be your savior, let him be your shepherd. Let him make every decision. When he said, follow me, he meant, follow me. I wake up every morning in my life. First thing I do is stick my hand straight up in there before I get out of the bed and say, not my will, thine be done. You know why? So you're a great Christian. No, no, I'm not a great Christian. Y'all should know that by now. I'm not a great Christian. I found a great man. I found a great shepherd. See, you know why I say that will be done. That will be done. It's about like kissing your wife. It ain't hard. It's good. I've seen what the man can do. The last thing I'd want on this earth is for me to drive the boat again. I've seen where I can take it. I want that man to run my life because he is good. I want the Lord to be my shepherd. I'm going to want to do something through this series. I want you to do something. I want you to take 23rd Psalm, and uh, you may have already done it. I want you to memorize it. Yeah. Listen to me. Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is powerful. It's alive. It's sharp and a two-edged sword. It'll go into your spirit. Every other book you read stops at your intellect or your emotions. This book will go down into your heart. I want you to memorize the 23rd Psalm, and I want you to do what I do. I want you to pray it back to Him every day. Every day of my life, I pray this prayer back to Him. Memorize it. It's not that hard to memorize. It's not that long. Some of you got it close anyway. Memorize this psalm. Pray it back to him every day. Sometime in my day, every day, usually somebody say, Father, I want to praise you and thank you. The Lord, you're my shepherd. And I praise you and thank you. I will not want because of you. Thank you for the green pastures and the still waters where you restore my soul. Thank you that you're leading me and my family in the right paths. Hallelujah. I thank you that though I live in a crazy land, I have no fear whatsoever. Because your rod and your staff that's it right down there. Bring me comfort. I thank you that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The second greatest thought I ever have, number one, is that God would die for me. Number two, God wants to eat dinner with me. I'm going to learn how to fellowship with God. I want to praise you and thank you that you anoint my head with fresh oil today 
and my cup runs over. Thank you that goodness and mercy are going to follow me every day of my life. Every time I look in the rearview mirror, I see goodness and mercy chasing after me. And then when I'm done and croak, I'm coming to where you are. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You need to pray that prayer every day. It's not a rote thing. When you do it, guess what happens? It gets down in your heart. The man's listening and he becomes your shepherd. All right, let's decide right now. Dear Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. You're more than wonderful. I thank you so much. You created everybody on this planet so you could shepherd them. I want to thank you and praise you. The Lord is my shepherd. But dear Jesus, the thing that amazes me about it is you took this great risk. You don't force anybody. Now the enemy of our souls, he will climb over the wall and break through the door because he's a criminal. But you stand at the door and knock. You give everybody the right to follow you or not. And I pray, dear Jesus, I, I pray with all my heart for everybody in this room, they will say, best I know how, I want that man to be my shepherd because he's that good. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving us. Now you run the show. And we want to just follow you best we know how. I thank you and praise you for what you'll do. And I pray for every person in this room that they will see you for who you are. Lord Jesus, we're going to pray a simple prayer through these, this little series we're doing here with your word. A simple prayer. Let me see you like you really are. There's our prayer. Pray it that simple. Let me see you like you really are. I thank and praise you that you're the light of the world. You're the fountain of living waters. You are the provider. You are the shepherd who takes me where I want to go. And 362 other pictures you painted in your word to show us how wonderful you are. Lord Jesus, when I look at the sunset and I think, whoever did that, I want to get to know them. Thank you. As King David prayed, one thing I've set my heart on, that I might behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire of him all the days of my life. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Precious name of Jesus. Now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to move through this room right now. The people in here have never asked you to be their savior. Man, Lord Jesus, why, are, why do people not follow you? Who are they going to follow? Dear Jesus, move through this room and draw people to yourself. All right, friend, you're in here today. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You have never let what he did at the cross determine who you belong to. This is your time. Jesus said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Seated right there where you're at. If you want to follow Jesus who created you, loves you, died for you to prove it, but rose from the grave. Rules this universe and coming back to this earth one day. If you want to belong to him, you have to make a decision to follow Jesus. This is your time right now. Pray a simple prayer seated right there where you're at. It goes like this. Just anything like this. Let me help you. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross by choice because you love me. But I believe you rose from the grave in great power because it couldn't hold you. I believe you rule forevermore. I believe you're coming back to this earth one day. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. Take them away by the cross. And I turn to you today to follow you. From this day forward, I declare with my mouth, you are my Savior, my Lord, and the love of my life. Dear Jesus, I don't know what it means, but sign me up. I'm following you today. And I pray this prayer in the strong name of Jesus, mighty Son of God. If you prayed that prayer in a minute, raise your hand up real high where I can see it. Put it up real high. Yes, 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 yes. Put those down. Let's pray again. All right, friend, Jesus is your Savior. You know for certain if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven.
When's he going to become your shepherd? You don't have to make him. He loves you so much. You don't have to follow him. You can drive your own boat if you want to. I love you. Good luck. That man will take you where you want to go. Just as simply as you can say it with a humble heart. Say, dear Jesus, take over. I want to be a part of your flock. I want to follow you. Take over my life, Jesus. I have no interest in being religious, but I want to follow the man that did what you've done for me. That simple. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for who you are and what you've done. I thank you that time will unfold and show us there is no road to life, one road, and his name is Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. I give you the praise and glory for your kindness. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.